Uh, how many of you guys like fishing? Fishers? Any fishers in here? Fish, fishermen? Fisher, fishermen? What, I don't even know what it's called. Fishing. How do you like fishing? Um, I, uh, my grandfather was a, a great fisherman, and um, he had a lake house, and we'd go there every summer and get to fish. And so uh, I remember he was teaching us to fish. We all had these bam, ba- the bamboo poles with the little bobber. That's what we had. And we'd catch fish that were about that big, but we would celebrate it like it was that. Um, but, but my grandfather was ready to take us to the next level to teach us to, to bass fish. And that was a whole different thing. And there was this little cove right around the corner um, of his uh, boathouse. And so um, he said, here's what you do. And he kind of showed us. And so my brother and I, I'm probably like 11 years old, we spent the next hour and a half casting, going casting. I mean, for just, and just had this hope, like, man, we were going to catch some, and man, we couldn't, we could not get a bite. And so we, you know, said, you know, Papa, Papa, we're, we can't catch anything. And he's like, well, let me, let me show you what he, and he casts it out there one time, snap, catches a fish, reels it in. And he's, then he's just laughing at us. He's just like, he's just laughing. He's like one time, caught the fish. We'd been out there an hour and a half and he's laughing. And I just am like, this is emotionally wounding. I, I'm just trying to get through like, a, and I, at that point I was like, you know, we, you have that. We had this hope of catching something could never, and it, 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 we never experienced. And after that, I was just like, I, I just, am not sure that fishing is just a godly thing. I'm not sure about that. I don't know. I don't think, I don't know that I, I can experience God that way. We, we live, we live all the time with different hopes. Yeah, hope of catching a fish. Or we, in fact, I think we don't even think how much, how how much hope plays into the factor of our lives every day. In fact, there's probably few days that go by where we don't use the word hope. Right? We say these things all the time. I, I hope I hope that I'm on time, or I hope it doesn't rain, or yeah, right out of here. Uh, I hope it's not serious, or I hope he isn't angry, or I hope God hears this. I mean, we'll use that word all the time from the smallest stuff to the biggest stuff. It's constantly, we're actually shaped and motivated and, and even frustrated by hope because everyone hopes. We hook our hope into someone or something to see if we can experience some kind of life, right? We all have that. No one actually purposefully walks through life uh, without hope. Nobody wants to walk around hopeless in our lives. Every morning, we, we tend to wake up either full of hope or feeling really broken or hopelessness when we wake up. And those, that's, a, that's a true experience for most of us. And so hoping becomes this natural and frequent thing that if we lose sight of how significant it is, we, we don't see how much it shapes us. And when we hope, what it does to us, how it moves and, 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 and how it turns our heart and mind, even on a regular daily basis. And even though it's this natural thing, even though it's something that we experience often, hope can be really painfully elusive at times where we don't experience it and we want to experience it. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to try to ask and answer one question today. How is your hope? How is your hope? What are you living in on a day-to-day basis? Because listen, uh, you guys look incredible today, by the way. I'd put our church up against anyone out here for the looks. Uh, 
And, and I know you got a ton of stuff you're going to get to and maybe family and lunch and naps and all the great things. Uh, but I, I think it's important for us to take this next 20 minutes to just pause and ask the question, where's my heart at with this issue of hope? Where are you on the hope meter? Are you living a life full of hope? Or do you find yourself deeply hurt or not experiencing hope or maybe even a sense of hopelessness? Now, but before we just begin to answer that, I want to just kind of try to step back and define what hope actually is. I mean, what does it look like? One of my favorite authors, named Dr. Paul Tripp, he's a phenomenal, he's a pastor speaker, um, but he's, uh, his doctor is in biblical counseling. He's an incredible mind, and he kind of helps define hope. He says, listen, hope always has three elements. Hope always has three elements. That is desire, object, and expectation every time. Desire, object, expectation, right? Hope is always fueled by some form of desire. Hope's always fueled by it, right? It may be a desire to be loved or to be cared for or to be protected or to be understood or provided for or accepted in some way or to experience comfort or pleasure or to have control or to be forgiven. I mean, the list could go on and on and on, but there is some object or some, some desire that moves us, but it also has a, an object. There is a someone or something that hope puts itself towards. I'm looking to, for something or someone to satisfy this desire that I have, and then it finishes with this expectation of when and how and where the object will actually deliver the thing that I've hoped for, right? So, it has each of these things, desire and object and expectation. And the good news is that, listen, Easter Sunday and the word of God have incredible things to say about this issue of hope, this thing that shapes us so much. If you want to be a person that actually truly experiences lasting and deep and impactful hope in our lives, then God is ready to meet you in that place. And that's what we get to discover because today is the day where hopelessness was shattered. There was a, a, a mass of people who had put their hope in this man, Jesus, and it just seemed like God had failed like something had fallen through. He had done such amazing things. Jesus gave such power and dignity and life back to people. And he raised up women and he called up men and he brought in poor and the broken and all that had been outcast. And he said, no, you have family and life. And it just seemed like everything was broken. It seemed like what they had put their hope in was hopeless. And Easter is about actually the transformation of a place of being hopeless to a place of being fully hopeful. That's what we get to center on, that what Jesus did in going to the cross and sacrificing his life and going into the grave and then coming out of the life was there to deliver to us power and life and freedom and eternal hope. That's what that was about. The, listen, the point of an empty tomb is that no matter what you and I are walking through right now in our lives, we can experience the fullness of hope in our lives. That's what we have in Jesus, because there has to start to be a shift in our lives. There has to be, begin to be a, a way that we begin to see life in a different way. In fact, the, 
Resurrection demands, it actually calls, it commands us to see the world completely differently. It calls us into a deeper place where our lives, our minds are shifted, certainly around this issue of hope, because no longer can our hope be tied into all the great and cool things that are out there that never actually answer the cry of the heart. They actually now all turn that hope, that cry for hope, it turns, that cry for life, it turns to the one and only person, Jesus. I love uh, how Dr. Tripp puts it this way. He says, much of the drama of hope in our lives comes not because we don't get what we hoped for, but because we spend so much time hoping for the wrong things. There's just so many, can we just be, there's so many places we're looking for hope. We're looking for pandemics to get figured out. We're looking for politicians to figure stuff out as if that'll ever happen, right? I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, right? Come on, all right? I won't talk about politics. Fist fights are bad for Easter, so we won't go there, okay? <laughs> but there's so many places we have temptation to put our hope. Somebody's going to get the thing figured out. The spouse is going to finally, the kids are finally, we'll have a thousand places. And the cross and the resurrection of Jesus is saying, I'm going to pull your heart back to the one safe place you can put all your hope. And from that place where your hope is centered on the son of God, then all of life can begin to flow again. I love what the psalmist says. In fact, it's the psalmist is David. If you get to look at the many different figures that we get to see throughout Scripture, King David's one of the most incredible, yet incre incredible and flawed people you'll find in the Scripture. And yet, he's the one that's called a man after God's own heart. And by the way, he wasn't just a man after God's own heart when he was young and cool. And not, and not after all the bad stuff. In fact, Acts, when, when uh, Paul's recalling who David was, said, man after God's own heart. This is God's declaration over him, even in all his mess ups. But I love what he says in Psalm 27 because the enemy is surrounding him and, and pushing in on him. The first three verses, he's in duress, under duress. He's writing a song out of pain and fear and anxiety and worry. But I want you to see what he says in Psalm 27, verse 4. He says, one thing I have asked the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What a, an unbelievable and powerful statement. One that I wish, that I want more and more to be deep down in my soul. There's one thing. Everybody say one thing. There is one thing. What it says in all of life, what's most important is your presence to be near to you, to see you, to see your beauty, to see your magnificence, and to spend time to be in your house, to walk with you, to talk with you. That desire, that's the desire. This is the central motivating desire for every person called, uh, made in the image of God, right? 
And, and listen, on this side of the eternity, you hear a statement like that, you think, well, that's just for the really, really zealous, crazy people. Listen, this is for every one of us. You right now, you might be, feel like you're a million miles away from anything that God has for you. I'm here to, I'm here to say this. This is for you. This is for every one of us. Because right now, in every circumstance, in every situation, in every place you're in, in every relationship that you have, in every day of your life, there is a one-thing war going on over your heart. There's a one-thing war that's going on in this turf right in here. And Jesus came up out of that grave not so you and I could have a cool religion or some great moral platitudes to live our lives by. He came out of the grave so that we could know that he is the reward. He is the reward. He is the object of our desire that if we're ever going to experience any real and actual lasting joy and peace, it comes in knowing that he is the one thing that is, is meant to command our hearts, to call us, to control our actions, and to lead us faithfully. That's the place where we actually experience the most life. He's not just the desire, hear this. He's the object of our desire. It's what he says, and we'll get to see this, by the way, over and over and over and over in Scripture. I've just written a few down for us. Psalm 130, verse 7. O Israel, hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. For the Lord is the, uh, for uh, with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Psalm 147. The Lord, hear this, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Lamentations, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Romans 15, hear this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. How powerful. May the God of all hope fill you with the Spirit so you can, what? Abound in more hope. Colossians. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of, his, of the glory of this mystery, which is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is who our God is. He's ready to deliver life-altering, rich, satisfying hope, but it comes in no other place than him. And this is the call from Easter Church, is to turn our hearts away from the many things we might put our full hope in and to say, no, Jesus Jesus, you alone are the answer to the cry of my heart for hope. You're the one true living hope, right? Every one of those texts just confronts with us that radical life reshaping truth that ultimate true lasting hope is actually a person. Hope is a person. It's Jesus. 
It's where we find life. It's that kind of hope that starts to transform the way that we experience everything around us and it's fully attached just to him and to nothing else. Now listen, there are some incredible things that you can have hope for in your lives, right? We can have hope for, there are great things to have hopes in, right? We, we, we have those things. I, I, I hope that our church grows into a beautiful, life-giving place that helps see this city changed and transformed. I hope that for our church. I, I have two sons. I hope they grow up to be young. They could be incredible, strong, godly men. I have two daughters. I hope that they never grow up and that they never get married and they keep calling me daddy. I have this hope. Every year it keeps not being fulfilled. You have all kinds of hopes. Like, can, can we just be honest? I know you've seen this and experienced it. We can have some great hopes, not even bad ones, right? But none of those things and none of those people are really ever meant to bear the weight of the fullness of your hope. They can't. If we put our hopes in our businesses or our families or all of those things, it'll crush them. We can have great hopes for all of those things, but it can't, that all has to be secondary. It has to be secondary to the Son of God. He has to be our full and living hope, right? And so the question is, where is your deepest hope today? Where truly, if you were asking that question, if you were even standing before the Lord, where is your deepest and truest hope? That's the question. Because when we hope in Jesus, we'll never be disappointed. Now listen, uh, that doesn't mean that God is going to meet every expectation that you have, right? God doesn't submit to my time expectations, doesn't submit to your time expectations. He doesn't always deliver what we hope for in the ways that we want him to. In fact, I've, I've been in vocational, I've been in vocational full-time ministry for more than 20 years, been married for more than 17 years, God been a dad for more than 15 years now, and I have learned uh, unequivocally, God almost never does anything in my timeline, ever. It just never, it never works that way. He won't bow to my schedule, my timeline, or expectations, and I'm going to tell you, I thank God for that, because God, God knows so much more what I need than what I often think that I want, and so if I put my hope in him, first. And when we put our hope in him first, it changes. And that becomes so important. It changes the trajectory of our lives and the ways that we think. Because hear this, church, God always keeps his promises. Always, 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 always. No one can do this but him. No one in all of your life can keep the promises except for him. And we, listen, we, we will often struggle I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you've wrestled with the question of God's goodness and his faithfulness and love. Well, wrestle, does God really love me? And is he truly faithful? Not because we've seen him be unfaithful in any way, but just because we're simply not on his plan. We're on our own plan. And we're expecting God to try to do things the way that we think that they're supposed to happen in the way they should. 
And the Lord, Jesus coming out of the grave is saying, it's time to reorient our minds, that the message is consistent, right? God's not working for our personal definition of happiness. He's actually working for something so much better on our behalf, and that is for your heart and my heart to be just like his. That's where he's taken you, and that's where he's taken me. That's where he's leading us towards deep, abiding happiness that is not hooked to my own thoughts, but hooked to the king of the universe who knows exactly what I need and exactly what you need. The difficulties that we face are not in the way of God's plan. Hear this. Whatever challenges are in front of you, they're not messing up God's plan for you. They don't show, listen, they don't show the failure of God's plan, whatever it is that you're walking through. They're not signs that God has turned his back on you because he never does. But every one of the challenges and trials and difficulties we actually experience and face, they're a sure sign of the zeal of the redemptive plan and love and radical purpose of God to deliver, keep delivering his deeper promises for us. He's got deeper promises for every one of us, if we'll ask. So what are the deep promises that we experience? What are the things, what are the things that God promises to us? Well, the list is immeasurable, but we know that he'll always care for us, always. He always cares for us. We know that he'll never abandon us. Here's his promise you'll never, ever, ever be abandoned. You may have been abandoned before by many people. You'll never be abandoned by him. He'll always provide what is absolutely best for you. Not what you think or want necessarily, but he'll always provide what is best. And he promised that you just put your full faith and if you put your full hope in him, here's what you get. You get to live freely. You get to live unencumbered. By all of the things that have failed you in the past, he never will fail. And he's calling us to recalibrate. Where's your hope this morning, church? Where is your hope? What is your hope in? We get to ask that question and we get to experience a beautiful answer if we'll just open our hands and say, Lord, I'm turning it over and I'm giving it to you. Because when you have Jesus, no matter what your circumstances are, you always have life. You always have life. And he's ready to deliver and give it to us. That's the gospel message, right? Is that finally, you and I can find peace and we can find rest and we can find forgiveness and power. We can find the full answer of hope in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone because he will never, ever, ever let us down. I'm going to ask our team to come up. We're going to finish out this morning. I was, uh, we have a partner in ministry. One of our ministry partners that we sew into is called Tennessee Kids Belong. I was getting to read a story. Uh, they help foster kids find homes. There was a young man named Patrick uh, in the foster system. Um, he'd been in the foster system for five years. He was actually the... He was in a sibling group of five kids. All of his brothers and sisters had already been placed, except for him. 
four and a half years he had gone trying to find a family that wanted him. And he'd go, he'd get up and excited and fall. And he'd get up and excited and fall. And things would fall through four and a half years. But there was this family one day that was looking online and they had a heart to adopt and they were looking. And they had no desire if they were wanting to adopt a young child, but there was something that they saw in this 13-year-old kid. They didn't want a teenager, but there's something they saw. And so they looked for a while and they called uh, the uh, adoption center and and the adoption center answered and said, literally at that moment, the adoption center had been talking with his caseworker at the moment that they, this family called. And they said, well, could we set up a meeting? So they set up a first meeting and the family said that he was real standoffish because he'd had his heart broken many times. He put his hope in finding a family, but it hadn't happened. And so they were just really chill about it. And they met again, and then they met again, and they had an overnight thing that they did and over the course of three months. And Patrick, little kid, came to the caseworker and said, this is the family that I want. And that family said, well, there's good news. We want you. You're ours and we're yours. The easiest thing in the world to do is we have these hopes, we put them out there and we, can, we often get crushed and things don't happen as quickly as we want them to. And it can seem like God isn't there and he's not around, but he's working for something powerful. That boy got brought into that family and they're living their best life. They wrote a, they wrote a testimony and story and shared it. That's why we partner with a ministry like Tennessee Kids Belong, because we want people to experience hope in Christ. You can be devastated over and over, but if you're in Christ, you can walk through whatever and see him come through time and time again. That's the call. You guys stand with me this morning. I'm going to read this scripture over you, and then we're just going to finish declaring that Jesus is our living hope. In fact, if you uh, could just close your eyes so you just receive, well, in fact, you can read it on the text, but if, it, if it's okay, you might just close your eyes just to let this scripture wash over you from 1 Peter. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance church that is imperishable, it is undefiled, and it is unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So in this, you rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Though you have not seen him, you love him. 
Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The Lord has a promise. He has promises, promises, promises for you if you'll open your hands to them. So I'm just gonna pray that God would do that and then we're gonna finish in worship and adoration. Lord, right now we just turn our hearts to you. Jesus, you came out of the grave victoriously. We celebrate that today. We agree with the scripture. You're our living hope. The one we can put all our hope and trust in the safe place to walk with, to be changed and transformed. And I ask God that you would stir again our hope in you. Lord, there are those that are just in need of a fresh revelation of hope. This morning, just those that are going, I need, to be, I need my heart to be recalibrated this morning. Fresh hope, hope in you. I've been putting my hope in a whole bunch of other stuff. So I pray, even now, I, I pray for every person that needs to just turn their heart in hope towards you. God, would you meet them right now? In fact, if that's you, would you just tell them, right? I'm not gonna have you raise your hand or come forward. I just want you to, before the Lord right now, just say, Lord, I've been putting my hope in some other places and I've just, I wanna put it back on you right now. I give you my business and I give you my family and I give all those things to you. All those great places and great ways that I have hope for great things, but Lord, you're my first and foremost. Give it to him right now. And there might be some here, you've never, you have never fully given your hope to Jesus. Never asked him to be Lord and Savior. Never called on his name for life and for salvation and joy. And if that's you this morning, you guys joining us online, if that's you this morning, right now is an invitation for you to ask him to be your hope. That you can call on his name and say, Jesus, would you be my living hope? I put my faith and trust in you. Would you give that to him? Father, we all just want to declare right now that you're our living hope. We're putting our full faith and trust in you. We recalibrate our minds. God, change our minds. That where we wake up every morning with fresh hope. We wake up every morning believing you and what you say is true. Believing in your promises more than we believe in the lies of the enemy around us or the things that we can see with our physical eyes. Lord, we believe you. I love that scripture that we just read. No, we can't see you. We believe in you. No, we don't see you. No, we love you. You're our living hope. We put our trust in you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love y'all. We'll see you next week.